0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast, making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we love your word, and we love what you do in our hearts with your word. You convict us, you challenge us, you comfort us, you lead us on to places where we could not even imagine going, but for the grace of God and the mercy of God upon our lives. Now, with that word this morning, we ask you to just impart it into our hearts. Help us to get it deep down within us, that we might live to the word thereof. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Paul, starting out there uh, in the uh, 10th verse, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So when he says finally, we got to realize that uh, this is a letter written to the church. It's not, it wasn't laid out in chapters and verses. It was simply a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And, uh, you know, when he says finally, he's, he's getting ready to wrap up his letter. He's coming to the conclusion of his letter, and he says, finally, my brethren. So here are uh, some of my final thoughts, in other words, if he was writing in our vernacular today. Here are some of my final thoughts. Uh, uh, in light of all that I've said up until this point, now there's six chapters in, in, the, uh, in the book of Ephesians, but there are, there are many, many things in those six chapters that Paul brings out about who we are, what we do, uh, and what the church is, and everything like that. So he's saying, in light of everything I've said up until this point, uh, that we have been redeemed, uh, we have obtained an inheritance of God, we have been saved by grace, we have been quickened and made alive, we have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Those are just some of the things that Paul brings out in this letter. And he says, now, In light of these things, finally, my brethren, listen to what I have to say now going forward. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So be strong. This calls for action. The word be there is calling for action, calling for something to do. It's calling for us to be strong, be strong, be strengthened, he's saying. Uh, bodybuilders don't just sit around and wish that they could get all of these muscles upon muscles upon muscles. You know That doesn't happen by just sitting on the couch eating potato chips. That happens by going to the gym. And they work out, and they work out, and they work out to strengthen their bodies. And it's no wonder that they can pull a, a, a truck, a diesel, <laughs> a diesel tractor with a tr- chain because they have such strength. Amen. So bodybuilders don't just get muscles by sitting around. Uh, So neither do we. Neither are we going to be strengthened without doing these things that Paul is saying. So he says, be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, Paul says in another place. Be steadfast. Be strong. So uh, we are to be strong. But he says we are to be strong In the Lord and in the power of his might. Aren't you glad that you don't have to just go on the power of your own might? How far would you get spiritually, physically, or anything else in this world? We wouldn't get very far. As a matter of fact, we didn't get very far until we came to that point in time where we gave our life to Jesus. Many times people are just spinning their wheels, going around and around and around in circles not even having any purpose in life, not even know what to do. They just go to work on Monday, thank God for Friday, get up and go to work again on Monday. You know, And uh, that, that whole just cycle with no purpose to that. Now you and I as Christians, we go to work on Monday, we get paid on Friday, we go to church on Sunday, we do other things in the kingdom of God, but the things that we do, we have found purpose for in Christ. Amen. So he says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might not in your own strength not by your intelligence. Oh my I'm glad I don't have to uh, lean upon my own intelligence. But you know what? God has put wisdom into my mouth at times that it, when it came out I went, who's that? <laughs> Did I say that? You know and uh, you, you know the same thing. Those of you who walk with the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will find exact the exact word to say at the exact time to the person that you're ministering to and you'll impart life unto them. You know why? Because because out of your belly is flowing rivers. Amen. A deep well of life is abiding inside of you. So you're not leaning on your own strength. You're not leaning on your own intelligence. It's not by our power. It's by his power, not by, spirit, uh, my, by my spirit, says the Lord, not by power or anything else of ours, but by his spirit. Amen. Uh, not your physical body either. Amen. We don't get things done by our physical body because as Paul is going to show us as we go along here, we're not in a physical war. So just a little peanut guy can take on a giant when God is on him, when God is in him, when God surrounds him, when he is moving by the strength and the power of the Lord. so Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong. Get yourself strong in the Lord. Amen. And in the power of his might. Amen. Once you get in the habit of putting on this armor that that Paul talks about here, uh, or equipping your mind to think like this. This is what this is what it means to put on this armor. God is already in your heart, and there's you know, his power is already at work in your life. But why would Paul say, be strong and put on this armor that he's going to talk about here? Amen. But once we get into the habit of putting it on in our minds, realizing that's basically what it is. Realizing who you are, realizing what you have and then go to war accordingly. Amen. Uh, once you do that, you really won't have to exert much energy in the battle at all. You know, a lot of the battles that we fight, we're still fighting in the flesh. We might not take a physical weapon, but we're trying to beat the devil into the corner by our flesh. Hey, if you got faith in God and you're doing all of these things, rest and relax a little bit, because God's in control. We don't often do that. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's, that's a fact of God's word. That's what God's word says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will leave you. And this is how we resist the devil. You devil, I resist you in Jesus' name. I resist you in Jesus' name. I resist you in Jesus' name. I plead the blood over you. And we go, we go crazy doing that stuff. And then we turn around and we go. Has he left? As we lift, and, and we keep picking it up. Pick it up again. I don't think the devil's really scared of us doing all that stuff. I think he's scared of us when he sees it on our face. That we're we're relaxed. We're resting in the Lord. We've sent him on his way. We have rebuked him. We have pleaded the blood of Jesus upon him. We have done all of those things. That's good. We need to do that. Amen. Then we need to rest and know that God's taking care of it. Because that's where faith comes in, when we actually believe he's gone. So you don't have to turn around and look to see if he's gone if I have faith. I'm moving forward. Amen. Think about this, church. I want to build you up today. Because I want to see all of us be, what Paul says here, be strong. The Lord will fight for you. The battle is the Lord's. Amen? Quit picking it up over and over and over again. Quit doing that. Verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God. Do not go into battle ever (laughs) half-dressed. Would not be wise. Put on the whole armor of God. Clothe yourself with God's armor. Again, it's it's a matter of the mind. It's a matter of getting dressed in this way mentally to to face your obstacles in life, your uh, mountains in life, all of those things that Jesus said you can cast down and cast into the sea, all of those things that he promised that you can overcome. You need to equip your mind to believe that you can. There's where the battle is. Our strongest, our, our toughest battle is right there, folks. My battle, my battle is not so much with the devil. He's a whooped foe. My battle is more with this guy between my ears. Get my mind to think right. And that's, it is a battle. Anybody here believe it is a battle? It's a, it's a battle, man. It's a daily battle. That's my false name. Put this on daily. Put this on daily. You need to think like this. Uh, Clothe yourself with the armor of God. Just like David did. Just like David did. He rejected Saul's armor. Saul's armor was a physical kind of an armor that a warrior of that day would put on. And Saul was a big guy. And the armor was big. And he says, here, you're going to go out and fight that giant? Because nobody else in Israel even would stand up against this uh, mocker who was mocking the God of Israel, and David was touched in his heart. You know why? Because he was a worshiper of God. He loved God. He didn't like to hear God's name blasphemed and made fun of. He says, "Who among us is going to go out there? Nobody here, in all this big army that can go? I'll go." And so he steps up, and right away Saul says, "Oh, you're going to go fight that guy? He's even bigger than me." Tall, Saul was a tall man, but the giant. Goliath was even bigger than that. And so he said, you better, you better put my armor on if you're going out there. David put that armor on and clankety-clank clank, clank all over his body. I can't fight in this stuff. That was the armor of man. That was the physical stuff. You know what David had when he went out there? He was fully clothed with the armor of God. Wasn't worried at all what Goliath was going to do to him, he said, I'm going to take your head off today and I'm going to have victory over you in the name of my Lord. And by faith he went out. Now you say, well, he did have, he had physical, he had physical weapons, he had his sling and stone. Yeah, like you would go out there with a the sling and a stone. His faith rose up in him and said, I can. we need to be fully clothed with that armor, just like David was. Amen. <clears throat> then he says, so that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Be able to properly resist him. To be able to withstand his strategies. That's what the wiles mean. It means the strategies, the, the plans, the attacks, the assaults, the tactics of the enemy, be so equipped in your mind and in your heart that you're able to withstand those strategies and plans that the devil will use against you. Oh, he's got a lot of plans, folks. He uses a lot of different things to get us distracted. He may even, right now, up to this point in time in this service, he may even use something that I've said that's ticked you off. guess who's talking in your ear? Well, she didn't say this to me. Oh, I did that for her. Boy, she didn't even give me a word of thanks. Who do you think is whispering in your ear? Because if our mind is so kingdom-minded, I don't really care what she thinks about what I did. If I'm following Christ, if I'm not, then she can come to me and she can reprove me and rebuke me and I should have a teachable spirit and receive that. But he uses all of these other things to, for us. Come against each other. Uh, sometimes I imagined that, you know, I wonder, I just wonder, and it's probably not this way, and I have no absolutely no scriptural grounds to say this. It's just one of those imaginary thoughts that I've had before. What if every time you said a negative word about your brother or sister, Or thought a negative thought towards them, something you were even harboring in your heart. What if each and every one of those was the fiery darts that Satan was throwing at that person? Trying to cause them to stumble. Maybe something you didn't even speak out of your mouth, but something you harbored in your heart. What if those were the fiery darts kind of thing? You know what? I would want to keep myself clear and pure of those things because I don't want to harm. You are his beloved. You are his children. And I don't want to hurt God's children. That's how our mind ought to think. Amen? So think about that one the next time that old guy gets on your shoulder and does one of those jobs to you. Now look at what he's doing. How about looking at what you're doing? <laughs> Amen? So he says that he wants us to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, Paul in another place says, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant of the things that we know he's capable of and the way that he moves. We know that he's a liar. The Bible says that. He's a liar. And he will lie to you. He will lie to you. He will tell you that the the world in front of you is just going to fall apart or your world and uh, and this and that is going to happen. And he will start... Putting those lies in your mind, mind, and you will sometimes believe them. But we shouldn't be ignorant of this is the way that he operates. He's a deceiver, he's a manipulator. He can put people, he can inspire people to be in a situation over here and another one over here, and it looks like the two of them have conspired to come against you. He manipulates, he's a deceiver. And we must be equipped to know how to steer clear of him and his tactics. Amen? It's just like somebody who's been delivered of alcohol. God gloriously saves them. Or or our or drugs or something like that. Pornography. Uh, God completely delivers them. They're set free. They're born again. And they, they learn early on, you know what? I don't, I don't need to be hanging out with those guys that I used to go out and get drunk with anymore. Why? The door. It's a tactic. It's a strategy that Satan will use against you to lure you back in. Come on, folks. That's what he does, because he's a manipulator and he's a deceiver. Amen. And so he, he does that. So we need to know how to steer clear just the same way that that, that uh, alcoholic or that drug addict, he learns early on to steer clear of those things that he knows Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle, church, almost every time is spiritual. I'm just qualifying a little bit here by saying almost. Almost every battle that you and I will ever face in this world as a spiritual underpinning, a spiritual undergirding of that, of that battle. Like two boxers boxing in a, in a ring. They're not going out there thinking spiritually. They're not going out there thinking, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Huh? He's not even thinking spiritually. A boxer is trained to get into the <laughs> ring and fight his opponent and take him down. Physically. Physically. It's not a spiritual battle. If you're in war and you're you're doing hand-to-hand combat against an enemy, you might be praying a lot. I know that I did. (laughs) You might be praying a lot to God. But that's not a spiritual warfare as much as at that moment. It's a physical thing. You are fighting someone in front of you with your physical body. So that's why I'm just saying that uh, our battle almost every time is spiritual, except for those few uh, exceptions, like I just mentioned. There, you know, uh, however, Satan can inspire people to come against us physically, where we may have to pick up something and defend ourselves. And I'm not against that, folks. This preacher is not against that. I will protect my family. I will lay down my life for. I remember one time we had a guy that was in charge of a Sunday school class, young people, and uh, sometimes they would go to the park or whatever on a Sunday, get the permission of for the parents, and then go around the corner to Hines Park, have a little fun with them and then bring them back. And uh, we were talking one time, and he, he came up with this thing that Jesus, uh, he said we should be pacifists as Christians. I said, well, we should be peacemakers. There are other scriptures that I brought to light, and I said, yeah, I, I Know live peaceably with all men as much as lieth in you. I can live peaceably with someone who's just being mean and cantankerous, and I can try to have a peaceful spirit towards that. But if he comes at me physically, I'm going to protect myself. And he goes, Oh no! He says, we, I said, What do you think we should do? He said, We should just let him have all over us. And I said, Well, I says. You mean to tell me that if you take our kids out to the park and you're going to go over there and have Sunday school with them and somebody comes up to do them harm, that you're just going to sit there like that? I kind of stumped him for a second because his conscience got a hold of him at that point. But, you know, sometimes we just like to override our conscience. And he goes, yeah. I said, that's it. You're not doing that anymore. trust my kids to somebody like that? Amen. We got people who pack in this church. I'm not afraid to say that. When somebody comes into this church, they better know. <laughs> You're going to be dealt with. And I don't have any problem with that. But most of our battles are not physical. They're of a spiritual battle, and that's what Paul is saying. Dress and equip yourself in your mind so that you can fight these uh, spiritual uh, things that come against you uh, as Christians. Amen. But even even then, even then, God can step in on our behalf, even though it might be a physical thing. God, God's god got our back, man. He, he, he just knows how to protect his people. And, and I'm thinking of a, 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 a story that a friend of mine told me, uh, Dan Boltwright, uh, used to be a part of this church years and years ago. He owned a jewelry store in, uh, I believe it was Northville, and uh, he got, he gave Mary and I our, our wedding bands for a, a wedding present. But Dan told a story about when he was in the Navy. He had a couple of guys, three or four guys, that used to give him a hard time. I mean, this is back when bullying was uh, was in. You know, <laughs> today it's not. You know, you know, you know people are talking about it more. But yeah, he was he was being bullied and uh, treated uh, viciously by these several guys, three or four guys. And uh, one day they confronted him, and they were one one guy was gonna duke him out and punch his lights out. And, and Dan wasn't a fighter; he was a Christian. And he said, just in a moment of time, just like that, real quickly, the Lord said to him, he says, reach down, grab his pant leg, pull it up. So you know the sailors had the bell-bottom pants. He just The guy swung at him, he went like that, grabbed his pant leg, pulled it up, and the guy went flat on his back. He wasn't expecting that from Dan, because Dan just wasn't a fighter. He got back up and came at him again. Dan said, that worked that time, I'll do it again. Boom, right on his back. I think he said he did it about three times. And the guy got up and they finally just left him alone and left. He's walking down the street. A couple a few days later, and he looks up and he sees this, this group of guys, and he goes, oh, here we go again. But when they looked up and they saw him, they stopped in their tracks, and they turned around and ran. Dan's going, what in the world's up with that? A few days later, one of them spilled the beans. He said, who were those two big guys walking with? With said, those were two big dudes we weren't going to mess with. Who were they? they answered, you know what? I believe the angels of the Lord were walking by, walking with me. You know." And uh, so uh, God can intervene even when we find ourselves in a physical battle, uh, but we certainly need to be dressed spiritually for all of those things that the enemy will throw at us. We are resisting. Paul says, "Principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world." So, what are these principalities, powers, and rulers? They are the spiritual forces behind the scenes, manipulating things and people in the physical world around us. That's that's who they are. And uh, basically, all three of those things really gel into the the one spirit of Antichrist that. Satan himself and all of his demon hordes that are in cooperation with him, that's what these principalities, these powers, and these rulers of the darkness are. Whether it be governments, politicians, your boss at work, your next-door neighbor, hey, Satan, he's not, you know, he, he doesn't really care who he uses to get to you. He'll use all of those things. That's why I said earlier, he'll even use me and he'll use you if he can against another brother or sister. He's a manipulator. He's behind the scenes doing that. We don't see him all the time. Even these angels that Dan believes was next to him, we don't see angels around us all the time, but we know that we are encompassed with angels all around us. So it can be any of those things that the enemy would pull the strings in their heart whisper things in their ear to come against you as a Christian. Your children, your own children can come against you. you got, you got to understand something. There's a spiritual war going on in a spiritual battle. Someone's got a hold of their mind when they come against their parents. It's a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. Sometimes it overflows into the, into the physical because you're getting a physical uh, scuffle. But rest assured, the enemy is behind that whole thing. It could be your children. It could be your parents, who the enemy would actually use to dissuade you from the things of God or to get you off track. Unbeknownst to them, because probably I, I would think that no good parent would purposefully or intentionally do that. Amen? But if they don't know that they're being manipulated, they can fall into that trap. Amen. So your children, your parents, and even your own spouse. Well, all you married people, look up here. Look up here. Even your spouse. He can even put things into their heart, things into their mouth, unbeknownst to them, that triggers something in the household, and the next thing you know, you're fighting. You're arguing. And you know we always want to get the last word. I remember one time we had a pool table over in our fellowship hall uh, over on the other side of the building. And a few of us were sitting around and we were playing pool. And uh, one of my friends' wife called. And uh, they had been in an argument that day. And he said to her, you know, you have a weird way of communicating. All you do is all you do is nag, nag, nag. And so I answered the phone. And it was his wife, Chris. I said, Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Praise the Lord. Blah, blah, blah. She goes, Hi. She says, Is, is Danny there? I said, Yeah, just a minute. I says, Hey, Danny, it's your wife. She wants to nag at you a little bit. That was not an anointed word. He had the hardest time trying to convince her that he had not spilled all of that stuff to me. Do you get it? You see what I'm saying? That, that wasn't anything else, but the enemy just putting the right word in my in my mind. And that's why we have to be so keenly, everybody say keenly, keenly, keenly aware of that. Now that might have just been jovial, joking around, blah, 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 you know, but the enemy uses stuff like that. Amen. True story. (laughs) That was a true story. Uh, So Paul reiterates what he said in verse 11. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So just in a couple of short verses. Now, again, this is not verses laid out. It was a letter written. But just in a couple of short sentences, Paul is saying the same thing over again. Take that whole armor of God. In light of these things that I've shared with you, dress up with the whole armor of God. And then he goes in and he says a couple other things about the devil and his wiles and everything. He says, in light of these things, take on the whole armor of God. I say again, I repeat, take on the whole armor of God. So that you may be able to stand in the evil day. To stand in the evil day. What does that mean, the evil day? That is the day or the moment in time when Satan actually attacks you. Be dressed and be equipped for that moment, for that evil day. And sometimes people think, oh, the evil day being when Jesus comes. But there are a whole lot of Christians who have lived and died in the last 2,000-some years uh, that did not see the evil day in that sense. But I'm sure they saw plenty of evil days in their time. So be equipped. For for that evil day, Uh, you don't have to run home and get dressed for battle on that day. Remember when the disciples came to Jesus and they said they couldn't cast out a certain demon out of a a, uh, sick child? Which he gave to them the power and the authority to go out there and do that in his name. They were kind of doing it all along, seeing people healed, seeing people raised, blah, blah, blah. Then they come to this one tough case and they come to Jesus and say, we couldn't do it he said, because of your unbelief, because of your lack of faith. And he says, however, this kind doesn't even come out but by prayer and fasting. It's a deep-rooted demon, and you need to be spiritually prepared for such a thing. And then Jesus just rebuked the devil, and he was gone. So what does that say to us? It says that those guys would have had to go home and get their armor on. Those guys would have had to tell that daddy, hey, you bring him back in about three days. We're going to hit, the, hit our knees with prayer and fasting. When, when you come back, we're going to be fired up. We're going to be charged up. We're going to be able to do the job. Not Jesus. Jesus spoke the word. Everybody says, well, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. Jesus was limited to a human body. He was God in the flesh. But everything he did, he did in submission to the Father. And he was teaching us and instructing us that so be it with you. That's what he was telling them. He said, I'm rebuking you. I'm, I'm rebuking you outright right now for your lack of faith. You need you needed to be faithful and, and filled with faith for this job. And you need to do that through fasting and prayer. Amen. So uh, the evil day is when you're confronted in some of these ways that we've spoken about already. When You're confronted in that. You don't want to have to go home and get dressed. Get my point? You want to be fully prepared. That's why he says it over a second time. Have the full armor of God on you. And then he says, and having done all to stand. And then the next verse says, stand therefore. that, That phrase should really be put together and not busted up like it is. Because it's actually a military term. Something that those people in that day and age would have known and understand is a military term. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. And what the phrase means is having done all to conquer your enemy in one way, make sure that you're ready for his next attack. You can't just sit back and relax and say, oh, that's over. I'll I'll never be tempted in that way again. No, no, no. Don't don't even think that for a minute because he'll come at you again. And if he can't have a victory in your life over that thing because you have really Conquered it, he'll come up with another thing. That's his subtlety. That's the way he moves. That's the way he does things. So stand again, ready, to, ready to do battle. When we when we were getting a firefight in Vietnam, we'd come back, we'd re, we'd be rejoicing and glad that we, excuse me, we just kicked butt that day. We came back to our night position, and we didn't just pull the tracks all in the helter-skelter kind of way and park them? No. First thing that we did when we came back to set up a night defensive position was to put all of the tracks in a circle, facing out into the jungle. Why? Because we're ready for the next attack. That's how combat is. So when you've you've done everything you know to do to stand, stand again, ready for the next attack. Uh, When you've done all that you have needed to do, To conquer the enemy in one area or in one battle. Stand ready to do battle again. I don't know how many of you this morning are just feeling victorious in Jesus. I mean, you're feeling the victory of God today. You're feeling the joy of the Lord today and the goodness of God all over you today. Enjoy it. But be ready for tomorrow. Because tomorrow can slap you upside the head so much that if you're not wearing this kind of armor, it'll set you back. I don't think that we ought to leave here fearful of that. God's got our back. But we got to do our part. <laughs> we need to stand ready, amen? <clears throat> Be ready for his next onslaught, his next assault, his next attack, his next offensive, uh, his next aggravation, his next storm that he's brewing up for you and manipulating things to come against you his next bombardment of spiritual forces. Be ready for that. Amen. Having your loins good about with truth. Your loins represent your core of your body, and that was the first thing that a warrior back then in Paul's time would dress himself up with. And it was a girdle. It was called a girdle, but it was like a belt around his midsection. You know, if your core is not strong, you're not very strong in anything else in your body. Anybody ever ever have back problems, lower back problems? Mm Mm-hmm you know what I'm talking about. You, everything else just doesn't operate very well. Amen? So they would put that on. But another thing that it was good for was to tuck in their looser garments when when battle came uh, came up and they were in battle. Because, you know, you've seen the old Roman soldiers. I think he, he had one up there for you today. You know, they got kind of skirts, you know, that they wore around. But they tucked them into that belt. So he said, have that in your midsection. Have that the first part of your armor. Truth, truth. Speak the truth in love. The scripture teaches us that. Speak the truth in love. You're never going to be wrong when you speak the truth. You may be be confronted. You may uh, have somebody come against you because you speak the truth. But speaking the truth is never wrong. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. In the life. Amen? So we've now received the truth of God in our hearts and our lives, and we need to uh, be led by his truth. Always be truthful. Always be truthful, because all of us are tempted. All of us are tempted to not be real truthful. Be truthful. First and foremost, be truthful with yourself. Be truthful before God with yourself. Amen. And then be truthful with God. Don't try to buffalo God. Don't try to justify your actions before God. Come before him real and humble. Amen. And then finally, speak the truth to other people. When you're talking to other people, speak the truth. Husbands and wives, when you're talking to each other, speak the truth. And then having on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is uh, that thing that uh, uh, will resist the enemy coming against you to try to get to your uh, vital organs, your heart, your, your kidneys, your lungs, and, to, and to thrust you through. Uh, you are, and I've said it a few times over the last week, and I say it in many, many sermons, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who you are. The devil can't change that. That's who you are. Therefore, God would have us to be an expression of his righteousness in the world. So we live out a life of righteousness because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And verse 15, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Paul said in Romans chapter 15, he was quoting Old Testament scripture, how beautiful are the feet of them. That preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And I know you got your shoes on, but right, right now, but kind of look down at your feet. Are those feet carrying you to places, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to those you meet in the world? That's what we ought to be doing, because that's what Paul said: Have your feet shod, have your feet shod and prepared with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Be a ready witness, church. Be a ready witness. An evangelist of good news to people. The apostle Peter said, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. With meekness and fear. Amen. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may, you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Man, we need the shield of faith. That's why I say this is a spiritual battle. We fight with spiritual tools and weaponry. The greatest weapon that we have is this right here. Is what Paul's laying out to us right now. Every one of these components. Amen? Fiery darts of the enemy. Faith will cast them away. Faith will overcome them. Oh, they're going to come at you. Fiery darts of the enemy is going to come at you surely as you are sitting here this morning. Like I said earlier, it may have already come against you just in something that I've said. I may have made you mad. I don't know. I like what my dad always used to say. Make, Make them mad. Make them glad. Make them know you've been there. So if nothing else, you know I've been here. Have as your shield faith, so that everything that the enemy hurls at your at you will not penetrate you. You can feel them coming against you, but you can say, uh uh-uh, uh, you're not having a place in this heart. You're not having a place in this mind. I resist you. I'm not having anything to do with you. And then you go about your business. Don't look over your shoulder, see if he's left. Faith. Faith. It's our faith that overcomes these things. It is not your shout at the devil. It is not, it is not quoting the word, even, to the devil. You can, you, can, you can shout until you're blue in the face at the devil. And even in Jesus' name, what's going to make him flee from you is when you believe it. When you believe what's coming out of your mouth. When you believe what you're saying to him. And when you believe what you're saying to him, you turn and rest in the Lord. You're no longer uptight over the battle. Why? Because the battle is the Lord. How do you know? He told me in his word. Did you use his word against the devil? I used his word against the devil. He must flee from me. And we sometimes keep picking it up, picking it up, picking it up. Leave it with the Lord. He's handling it. I don't see him handling it. Trust him. Trust him. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Amen. These are the fierce and ferocious missiles that come your way from the enemy. I'm not saying they're easy to overcome. I'm not saying all of this that I'm telling you right now is easy to overcome. I know it's the right thing to do because that's what God really said. And all i got to do is line my mouth up, line my life up, line my eyes up, line my ears up. What God said. It's funny that we'll claim certain promises of the Lord and we'll, we'll stand on this one and stand on that one and we'll say, the Lord said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. That's been around in the church for a long, long time. I don't know who even originated it. But God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. That's exactly the way that we ought to deal with the devil. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. Amen. Take the helmet of salvation. Put it on daily. Somebody might say, well, I'm already saved. Why do I have to put it on? You need to be mindful of your salvation. You need to be mindful of of everything that God promised you in that salvation. You need to let the very thought of that salvation cover your mind and your thinking. When you're saved and you know that you are, you can walk with your chin up and a smile on your face. Amen. And then he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is the offensive component represented by a sword, the sword of the spirit because it is able to cut through to the heart. You know, when Jesus rebuked the enemy that came against him, when Satan came to him, when Jesus had fasted and prayed for 40 days, we don't see Jesus toiling with the devil. We don't see that Jesus turning around and saying, I rebuke rebuke you, I rebuke you. Get out of here. Jesus just turned around to him and he spoke the word of God to him. And then he refocused. Well, having done all to stand, he's standing ready again because the enemy comes again. And what does he do? He speaks the word and sends him on his way. Not just resting, relaxing, but always ready always ready for him when he comes around. Comes the third time, Jesus just spoke the word. Amen. Hebrews 12 says, uh, 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick, it's alive, it's lively, and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts Trust me, God knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And when his word comes in, it will pierce like a knife through to those places where it needs to do its job. Guess what? He also knows the heart and the mind of Satan himself. And he knows the intents of that guy. So when God's word comes and pierces him, he's got to flee. He's got to flee. Amen. The last one here, I don't know if uh, we put it up on. He goes on in the 18th verse. He says, praying always with all prayer. Man, what a tool we have, church. What a powerful, powerful tool you and I have to be able to come to the presence of an almighty God who our minds cannot even conceive. Do you get that? I was praying that this morning, and it's just, again, I'm just, I'm not doubtful about this at all. I'm Full of faith when I believe this, but then I, and I think in our in our human brains, in our natural minds, everything of this world tells us that it, everything had to come from something. Every tree had to come from a seed. Every human being had to come from a pregnancy. <laughs> everything that we see. And so the atheists choose to believe a couple of little non-living things became a cell, and then boom, Big Bang theory, whatever. It all just happened simultaneously. Now we believe in a God who always was. That's why I say it's incomprehensible for for these brains to get it. Because I'm praying to the Lord and I'm going, Lord, I believe your word. It says, in the beginning. God. So you were right there in the very beginning. That's quite a what a stretch for the human mind to, to grasp that. But not only that, but that this all-wise God, all-powerful God, all-knowing God, all-present God. I mean, when you start even thinking of the attributes of God, and it's like, oh, your mind is boggled even more. But you know what we believe? In the beginning, God was there. And I believe that, not upon blind faith, but upon everything else that comes after that verse. That the word of God is revealed to mankind, is truth. And if God says it's true, it's true. And if what I shared with you today, I pray to God that anything that I said to you that is his truth, I pray it will get deep down into your heart and that it will be lodged in there and it will do something The other stuff that I might have said that wasn't from the Lord at all, as I told you in that one little story, I'm capable. Let it go in one ear and out the other. Chew the meat, and spit out the bones. Just don't be mad. At me.